Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show here on this Wednesday, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. With us now as he is every single Wednesday at this time, our guy, Freddie Coleman, Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Freddie, how are you? Good, brother Brady. How's everything with you, my man? Well, it's been a good conversation point the last few days. I'm, uh, you know, turning 35 this year, and I think I am sporting my very first, like, true black eye uh, ever in my life this week. How? Uh, playing a little pickup hoops at the uh, church nearby my place the other day. Did, you know, I don't uh-huh. play. I don't play a lot of defense, Freddie, in pickup hoops. I'm, right. try, I'm just trying to outscore my man. If I get five and he gets four, I'm perfectly fine with that. But it was right. ga- it was game point. I tried to, to ramp up the defense a little bit. Got a little too close. He swung through. Good aggressive swing through. Elbow right mm-hmm. to the face. And uh, luckily, no Rip Hamilton style mask for me. But first, uh, yeah. true black guy in my life. Well, if a Christian basketball player can't give you a good black guy in the name of the Lord, then who can as far as that goes? So I guess at that point you had to say praise the Lord and, and get out of his way of that elbow when it comes to not passing the basketball. Ugh. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're on the mend, though, that's for sure. Hey, speaking of basketball, um, Freddie, I'm hoping – once again, so it'll be March 16th. I'm hoping March 16th we're going to have the America East Championship, or as I like to call it, the UVM Invitational, back at right. Patrick uh, back at Patrick Gym, Saturday morning, uh, 11 a.m. Can we get you to come up for the America East title game? If I, well, What do we have to do to get you up here? Well, you know what? That's not a bad idea, actually, because you look at Vermont, what they've been able to do at 13-1 and 23-6 and, and six overall. They've only lost one home game this year when it comes to their schedule, so... It won't be easy to get up there because the UMass Lowell Riverhawks, they're really, really good and long and athletic. And Bryant even had that coaching change. I'm surprised they're 9-4 and four in the league. But if that happens, i got to try to align my schedule and make sure I'm not doing anything else with Northeast Conference basketball. It's safe and hard to make sure that can happen. You know, it's interesting too, Freddie. It's interesting you, t- you mentioned this because UVM plays UMass Lowell coming up on Saturday for the final time in the regular season. They very well might see them in the playoffs, and they very well might see them in the championship of this. But UVM hasn't officially wrapped up the league number one seed yet. So, like, on one hand, I'm like, okay, do you just play it straight up, try to capture the title and worry about the playoffs when the playoffs come? Or do you think John Becker maybe holds back any wrinkles a little bit here in an effort to not, uh, you know, show his hand too much towards playoff time? Well, I'm a big believer in this. You worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. You worry about today when that's in front of you because everybody knows what everybody does in any conference basketball situation, no matter if you play them once or play them twice or play them thrice. So I'm not a big believer in holding back what you do best. It is up to the opposing team to stop what you do. You shouldn't do that and disrupt any kind of rhythm or flow when it comes to the game plan. So if they're able to figure things out, that means you win the better basketball team in the conference tournament. But holding something back, no, I believe that you worry about today when today's in front of you, and you worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. We had a lengthy talk about the Celtics on yesterday's show. You had said on uh, Freddie and Harry, you think the Celtics and Nuggets are the two best teams in the NBA. We talked a mm-hmm. lot about what could be the thing that beats the Celtics? What could be the reason that they end up faltering? What about this team? I don't want to say scares you, but what about this team could make them vulnerable? Well, that's a really good question the Celtics because we haven't seen a lot of their vulnerability since they've been on this heater now, winning nine in a row and 27-3 at home and 19-9 and on the road. So there haven't been too many things that you can do that you can say that's the one thing that could be very debilitating to the Boston Celtics trying to win an NBA championship for the first time in a long time. I will say the same thing with the Celtics I'll say about anybody else. If you have knockdown shooters from the outside, that's the great equalizer. And in a shooter's paradise that the NBA has become, 
if you can make more threes than the Boston Celtics and make that a wide margin. For example, if the Celtics hit 12 threes in a, th- in a game, in a playoff game, on the other side, you've got to hit 19 or 20 because that's the only way you're going to be able to level that off. Other than that, they can beat you in a three-point game. They can beat you in an up-and-down game. They can beat you in a slog-it-out kind of game. So they don't have in modern basketball, in the modern NBA game, any discernible weaknesses that you look at and say, if we attack that, we can keep that team from being the kind of team they've been so far in the NBA. It's interesting. Tim Legler of ESPN said a couple of days ago he thinks the thing that could you know make them vulnerable is their propensity for you know too many quick threes in a game, right? Like they're going to come down mm-hmm. and jack up too many threes, jack up quickly. And I guess sure. my concern dovetails off that. You, you shoot quickly, you find yourself missing, you're all of a sudden down 15, and then you're chasing points, and it kind of snowballs yep. on you from there. My biggest fear about this team is just like the fact that they can't seem to win at home in the playoffs ready they're 12 and 15 over the last 27 home games in the playoffs and I'm tired of seeing them drop game one I would love to see them run out and control the playoff series my biggest threat is you know get down one nothing and then the pressure mounts I guess well, well that's true but the pressure is going to be there whether they're up one nothing or down all one in the playoff series at home so your, your 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 fears are well-founded when it comes to the Boston Celtics, but I'm not going to look back at what happened then because the same players are not there now. you got a Christos Porzingis that can guard the front of the rim and make shots on the outside and inside. you got a Drew Holiday that can guard three positions in basketball in the NBA when it comes to point, shooting, guard, and small forward. So you have two different pieces that are better suited for this basketball team to have a better playoff run and maybe win a championship where you got a rim protector that's Christos Porzingis who is not going to be as injured and as offensively challenged as we saw from Robert Williams. And you got a Drew Holiday who plays extremely well with Derek White in the backcourt and can make shots at the other end and limit opposing guards. So I think those two pieces could be very much of a factor. While you may not see what we've seen in previous years where the Celtics don't play well at home in the playoffs or lose game one of a playoff series when they're the clear favorite and all of a sudden that advantage is no longer there in a playoff series involving the Boston Celtics. I forget who wrote it, and I apologize for not giving them credit. I think it was Tim Bontemps and somebody else, but an interesting article on ESPN.com yesterday about the state of scoring in the NBA and what can be done to curb it. Does there need to be something done to curb it? What, what do you think? Like, What kind of basketball would you like to see the NBA play? Well, if it's a well-played basketball game, I don't care if it's 85 to 80 or 135 to 130. I could care less about that because I understand their fears in terms of everybody plays the same way. You throw the ball into the post, they double-team the post, you swing around and get a wide-open three, or you jack up a three to transition. Everybody plays the Golden State seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns play that Mike D'Antoni brought to the National Basketball Association. So I understand why Adam Silver, the commissioner, is wanting to do a little bit more of a study to limit scoring. So what are you going to do? Align the rules for the defense? Well, no, that's not going to happen because offense is going to sell in the NBA, and nobody wants to go back to the days when Mike Fratello was the head coach of Cleveland, and every game was 79 to 75. It was like watching a dentist pulling somebody's teeth in a chair. Nobody wants that in the NBA. I don't know if there's really anything you can do, at least right now, when that horse is so far in the field when it comes to scoring. But let's also acknowledge this. When you legislate defense out of the game and you have offensive players getting better and better every year, what do you think was going to happen in the NBA? Because now, more than ever before, Brady, it's not about what kind of defense you play. It's when you get those stops. Either in crucial situation, the final two minutes of the game, or let's say you have a 10-point lead and you get a stop and you hit a three, you balloon to 13 points. Or if you're down by four, you get a stop and you bring a three and then bring it down to one. More than ever before, it's about when you get those stops on defense, not being a total defensive monster kind of team, because I believe those days are long gone in the NBA. 
Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Freddie and Harry here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Freddie, let's move over to the NFL. Patriots are over at the Combine hearing from Gerard Mayo. We've heard a lot from Elliot Wolf. Also read in the NFL player survey that the Patriots ranked yeah. 29th out of 32 in terms of, I don't know, kind of everything, player experience. Yeah. Do you think that is a sign that the Patriots are not a fun place to play or just kind of reflective of, hey, they were a bad team, so everything seems a little worse? Well, look at it this way, Brady. When were the Patriots a fun place to play if you were not playing for them right. or if you were not in the good grace of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Bill Belichick wasn't worried about fun. He was worried about what? Winning championships and competing for championships, and he was going to do it his way. And for 20 years with Tom Brady, that way worked with nine Super Bowl appearances and six championships, and they were the team you had to deal with in the AFC. There are plenty of fun places around in the NFL. And those places really stink when it comes to those fun places other than the Kansas City Chiefs. And that team was 31st in the player survey. And you would think if any place would be a fun place to play, that would be that organization when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. So I never pay attention to those kind of things because it seems to me that if you want to give a grade to a team, I wonder how much of that is maybe they wanted to go to that team or that team didn't want them and that's how they're going to grade them. There's so many variables that we don't know about involving this player survey and why teams are near the top like Miami and Minnesota or teams are near the bottom like New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. We're talking a lot about quarterbacks, talking a lot about the combine. What do you think mm-hmm. of the idea we've, we're, we're going to talk about later today on the show, the idea of maybe yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to New England this year? I wouldn't be mad at that because if you're not going to take a, pay, a quarterback if you're the Patriots, which to me, I think that would just be – scouting malpractice not to take a quarterback when your choice is either Caleb Williams out of out of USC or Jaden Dance out of LSU the Heisman Trophy winner or Drake May out of North Carolina you need to get this program restarted and rebooted and why not take a guy that can potentially be a franchise top quarterback for your team so I wouldn't be mad at the Jimmy Garoppolo thing if he's going to be a gap year quarterback you bring him in you draft somebody the third pick in the draft and then they learn from that guy and then he's ready to take over that football team and I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to say no to that having a chance to come back home to the New England Patriots, the team that drafted him. But the Patriots do not take a quarterback in the first round, then really what are they doing? Which means that maybe that Patriot way has taken on a different face and a different shape. And the last four years, that face and shape of the Patriot way has not worked. you got to get playmakers. If you have a chance to get a playmaker quarterback and you don't get in free agency and a guy sitting there in the NFL draft in April, then what are you doing with Gerard Mayo and the New England Patriots going forward being post Bill Belichick with this organization? Freddie, you're the best. We'll catch up in seven days as always. Thank you. Take care of that black eye, my friend. Put some steak on if you have to. <laughs> Going to look like Fred Flintstone with the Brontosaurus burger, that's for sure. So. <laughs> Deep dive, old school. Well done by you. <laughs> <laughs>